The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, and we'll read the first 11 verses, and we'll study this together. The Bible says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Why? Because they understood it. They, they knew of the times and seasons. They understood the, the time in which they were living. In fact, as you think about that, uh, they understood they were in the last days. Uh, the, the return of the Lord Jesus was imminent to them as well. You say, well, what has happened? Uh, God is awaiting more souls. He says that in first Pe- uh, 2 Peter uh, 3 and verse 9. He's not slack concerning his promise. He's not willing that any should perish. A merciful God awaits, uh, awaits sending his son. So verse number 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, notice that phrase, say it with me, the day of the Lord. Once again, the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they, now who is that they? It's not believers. When they, the world around, rulers, kingdoms, so on, say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Well, that sounds pretty conclusive. Verse number four. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. That the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light. He's referring to believers, those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore... Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Those that go about to do their evil deeds, do it in the night. Verse number 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, aren't you thankful? Hmm. That whether we wake or sleep, that whether we're alive or dead, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. I want you to notice in verse number 11, he says, hey, with all this in mind, Jesus is coming again. You have salvation. Christ has died for your sins. Uh, your, Your place in eternal life, your place in heaven and with the Father, your relationship with him is absolutely settled. Comfort one another. Edify one another. Build each other up, even as also you do. Thank you for being a church that builds one another up. Thank you for caring for one another. Thank you for saying kind words and encouraging words. Thank you for praying for one another through difficult times. He says, even as also you do. Uh, They were doing it. And he says, hey, let's keep up the good work. Let's keep on doing this. This is what we must do. And so tonight the lesson is comfort one another. As we continue to be, wanted to be a New Testament healthy Christian community that, that has a one another mindset We want to look at this matter of comforting one another and edifying one another, helping each other up. And boy, don't we need this now more than ever. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, thank you for your word again tonight. Thank you for the one another's of scripture. Now, Lord, would you guide us? Would you be our teacher? Would you, by your Holy Spirit, 
break truth open in our hearts. Lord, you told us to pray that, uh, that you would open up our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. And so we pray that right now. We pray that you would open up our eyes, the eyes of our heart, our spiritual eyes, and help us to behold wondrous things out of your word. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be a man like uh, Sergius in, the, in this morning's message who was astonished at your word. I pray that you would cause us to be astonished at your word, to be amazed, to be in wonder at the goodness of yourself as we see it in your word tonight. We pray that you bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this is an important passage of scripture, and I really want us to grab a hold of it so that we can continue to blaze ahead in these days. Now, we had a, we had a plan as we started the, uh, started the year uh, to take times on Sunday nights to, to spend some time and, and take, uh, do some one another Sunday nights. And basically, uh, 2020 just was kind of put inside of one of those, uh, those, those protein drink shakers, and it was shaken up, and you understand, it, it, it wasn't even a protein, it was a, it was a KitchenAid blender. I mean, it was, it was, if, have you seen one of those Vitamixes that can spin so fast that it actually heats the soup? It actually heats what you're blending? I mean, that's 2020. And the fact is, we, we know constant change, don't we? I mean, it is, it's just been constant. No matter where we are, no matter what our, our, our li- life is, no matter what our circle friends is, we've known constant change. We see disasters happening. Uh, hurricanes, they seem to keep coming with more and more frequency. Isn't it amazing? Wildfires. Uh, we see the unrest uh, in, our, in our, uh, our government. We see all these different things. And you know what? We don't like it. Uh, if, if someone could come up with Novocaine for 2020, it would be really nice, right? You know, like, just, just numb me to all this, uh, this stuff. It, it, it's a reality. We don't like that. In fact, when we're in the dentist chair, we want him to, to numb it all. I don't want one part. I don't want you to start drilling that, you know, that high-pitched whine. Uh, you, you get it? Yeah, it's just, and there's a certain smell that goes along. I don't want to start, uh, you to start drilling and hit something that wasn't numb yet. I want it all numb. We do not like pain. We don't choose pain. If we have a choice, we're going to choose anything but pain. And the fact of the matter is, we want to live comfortable. We want to live convenient. In reality, what we see oftentimes going on in our culture is as, as there is pain and as there is distress in our culture and in our lives, what do we do? We go to try to numb it with all sorts of different things, don't we? Uh, have you ever heard of a, a shopaholic? You know, a person that, boy, they, they're going through a difficult time. Let's go to the store, right? Let's go eat something. Let's go binge drink. And you can fill in the blank. All these different things that we try to numb the pain, find some sort of comfort with. As a believer, we have the precious promise of the Holy Spirit. He's given to us as our comforter. Do you remember what it says in John chapter 14 and verse number 16? And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Aren't you thankful you have the spirit of truth tonight to guide you into all truth? Uh, he's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth them not, neither knoweth them, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
So God has said, hey, I have the Holy Spirit that I've given to you as a comforter. He's also told us that his promises are there to comfort us. I want you to think tonight, put your thinking caps on and answer me back. What are some of the promises of scripture that give you great comfort when you're going through trial or through difficult times or times of unrest? What are some of the promises of scripture that come to your mind? Boy, his presence, isn't that a blessing? Yeah. He says in Matthew that he is with us to the end of the age. Amen. He's the rock. Boy, isn't that a great promise? What else? Amen. He's our shepherd. Yeah, and uh, he's always leading us. You know, he hasn't lost track of any of his sheep. Isn't that great? What else? Mm. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one. What else? Isn't that a great one? Great is thy faithfulness. The verse before that is, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Wow. Complete forgiveness. Mm. Jalissa. Amen. So he, he is before everything that ever was, and he is the end of everything that ever will be. Like, he is, he's it. And there's no, he has no beginning and end. He's just there. Wow. Anything else? Yes. Go ahead. Intensely in tune with our, our lives. Yes. Miss Joanne. Mm. Nothing. His love is boundless and it, it, it does not lose hold. And so think about these. Don't they give comfort? And he told us that he gave us exceeding great and um, precious uh, promises that would be with us. And so as we think of this, I want to break down this passage of Scripture and help us to, to grab hold. If you got the, the notes tonight, uh, follow along. The believer's conviction, first of all, I want you to notice as we come into verse on chapter number 5, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Uh, God has given us the comfort that we need. Uh, he, he has told us what to expect. He's told us what we need to know about, and he's given us especially a wonderful promise, and that promise is around the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The promise of the fact that the Lord's return is imminent. In verses 1 through 5, we see that and how he helps us to know it's going to come as a thief in the night. It's going to come very, very uh, quickly. The Lord's return could happen at any moment. It could happen at any moment. Do you live aware of that? Now, the Bible tells us here in, ver, uh, in verse number 5 that we are children of the light. That means that we are walking in his kingdom, in his light, in his truth, light and truth. There are many people that come along and say, follow the light that is in you. Follow your heart, right? Uh, do you realize that will uh, uh, cause you to go down a, a bad path every single time? Because your heart and my heart is desperately wicked. 
but I do need the light of his truth. And so when we are, we are as children of light, we are supposed to follow the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit as he takes the word of God and he illuminates it to us as he helps us to understand it. By contrast, there are those that dwell in darkness. Everything going on in the world, they, they see it as purely physical. That's all they see of it. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse number 10, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned uh, the counsel of the Most High. What is being said there? There are those tonight who sit in absolute darkness. They have no illumination for their path forward because they have said no to God. They've rejected His word. Or there are some that still have not yet had the opportunity to receive his word. These people need Christ. The Bible says, Isaiah 9 and verse number 2, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath, shine, uh, uh, hath the light shine. Do you realize that Christ came into the world? The grace of God hath appeared, uh, uh, bringing salvation unto all men. Through Jesus Christ, that light came into the world. John spoke of that. John the Baptist spoke of that as he talked of the, the, the coming Lord as he prepared the way in the wilderness. That's the light, but you know that our world doesn't have that. And the world dwells in darkness, and as we know what is coming very shortly, as we uh, await for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, they dwell in darkness. Um, sometimes uh, my kids like to have a, a nightlight in their room, and I don't know, maybe some of you still sleep with nightlights, right? Uh, or a light on in the house. But, you know, when all the lights are off and there's just a nightlight, sometimes uh, you can start to imagine things in your, in your room. Remember back to as a child, you can start to imagine things are creeping in, around in the shadows, right? But as soon as that light's turned on, it reveals that there was nothing there, right? And that's the word of truth. That's the Holy Spirit of God in us. He awakens us. He gives us light. He gives us illumination in our journey. Before, everything seemed so scary and fearful and, and everything was, was, uh, was, was dark in our lives. But through the light of the Holy Spirit being within us, what a blessing it is. There is a light. Those that do not know Christ cannot see spiritual realities. Those that do know Christ, you and I, we can know spiritual realities and we can uh, take from the word of God comfort from the truths that he gives us and especially the comfort about the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice that with me in verse number two. He says this, for yourselves know perfectly. Now think about that. He says perfectly. You've been educated. You have a, a full understanding about what? That the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You fully understand this, church. You understand that the Lord's return is imminent. They had been taught well. Now, let's understand something about the day of the Lord, this term, the day of the Lord. Because the day of the Lord is a, is a term that kind of covers a span of time. If you'll give me the, the chart here tonight, the, the timeline, we're going to walk through and try to understand tonight and give a, just give a refresher course to some, brand new course to others, uh, but What's, what's out ahead of us? Right now we are in what is called the church age. I uh, don't know how long it's going to go on, but until Jesus Christ uh, blows the trumpet and, uh, and we are called home, we are raptured home, uh, we are in this church age. This has also been called the age of grace. Aren't you thankful you live in the age of grace, that you're not sacrificing lambs to cover, uh, cover your sins? 
uh, but you're in the age of grace after the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, by the grace of God, uh, we're saved through his blood. What a blessing that is. So this day of the Lord refers to an extended prophetic time. So you notice that on the, the timeline there, it, it, it refers to this whole span of time. And the Bible says in 2 Peter in 3, uh, 3 and verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also the wor- and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so that's a parallel passage that helps us understand the encapsulation of the, uh, of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will begin with the event of the rapture. The rapture. Uh, that's the next thing on the prophetic calendar. In fact, nothing else has to be fulfilled before we hear that trumpet sound. Now, some people will put that, that rapture further into the tribulation. They'll say it happens in the middle of the tribulation. There's others that believe that it'll happen at the end of the tribulation. But the Bible helps us understand that it will happen at the, on the beginning. And I want you to understand that the Bible says that we'll be saved from that hour of wrath. But let's continue on and we'll understand that in time. So the rapture of the church... Those that know Christ, in fact, the Bible says that those who have died in Christ, they're going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, there's our word for rapture, caught up, snatched away uh, with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, it's an amazing thing as we think about that. An amazing, amazing uh, promise that God gives to us the events of this day of the Lord, after the rapture, you see the seven-year tribulation. Uh, this is going to be a time where God is judging the world in, in an amazing way. Uh, his focus is back on Israel. People talk about the church being the replacement of Israel. That's not a biblical concept. That's something really that came down out of the, the Catholic Church. That was a, a part of their doctrine. And so that, that, that is a part of, of how they believe. But uh, the church is not the replacement of Israel. If you can think of this, God had his chosen people, Israel. Uh, We're still supposed to bless them. Regardless of who around us does or does not, we still should. And we should still acknowledge them as who, uh, who they are, God's chosen people. God set them aside to provoke them to jealousy because they rejected Jesus Christ. And right now he's working with the church as his instrument, as his institution to bring the gospel into the world. And then he is going to begin working, after he raptures us up, he's going to begin working with Israel again to bring them back to himself through this period of judgment, the tribulation. We think we're in bad times now? Read the book of Revelation. When a third of populations are dying off, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. But our God will be justified in allowing that. The Bible talks to us how the Antichrist will offer um, peace at the first and, uh, and there will be a, a covenant that is made between him and Israel, God's pap- um, people. And it's going to be, uh, all, they're going to think, well, boy, peace has come. The, and we finally made this. And uh, it's going to be a bad thing when in the middle of the tribulation, the Bible says in Daniel 9 and verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many 
for one week. That one week uh, is a part of Daniel's prophecy of uh, 70 weeks, and it refers to seven years. And it says, and in the midst of the week, in the middle, in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and the overspreading of the abomination, he shall make it desolate, even under the consumption, and, and, determined, uh, and that determined shall um, be poured out upon the desolate. There is going to be a, a horrific thing, that the, uh, a horrific um, uh, proposition. I'm searching for the word, but the Antichrist is going to present himself in, in such a, a horrific way to be worshipped, and it is, it is going to, they're going to break that, that covenant. It's going to be an awful thing. And then it's going to usher in a time of great, great tribulation, where the first was bad. The first three and a half years of that tribulation is bad. But the second is going to be uh, absolutely horrible. And I want us to understand, the Bible says in Revelations 3 and verse number 10, but thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. I am thankful for that verse of Scripture. God has made a promise to you and I that he has not appointed us to wrath. He's rescued us from that. He will keep us from the hour of temptation. I, uh, we don't have to go through the tribulation. Aren't you thankful about that tonight? Uh, when you read the, on the book of Revelation, it is, it is, it is very, very uh, gut-wrenching. Uh, one of the things that stands out to me oftentimes in the book of Revelation is the fact that men, after God brings judgment upon them, will still shake their fists at God and the hardness of their heart. We see the second coming after the tribulation. That second coming is its going to be fun, folks, because we're coming with him. We're coming back with him. He will lead the way on a white horse. The Bible says, Revelation 19, verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called, do you remember? Faithful and true. Faithful and true. Does that not describe our Jesus? It absolutely does. Faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth make war. And his eyes are as a flame of fire. And on his head many crowns. And, and he had a name, a, a name written. And no man knew it but he himself. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And with it he should smite the nations. All the nations of the world gathering together at that point in time against Israel in the, in the battle of Armageddon. And the Bible says Jesus with the word of his mouth. And we're afraid of our enemies. The word of his mouth, he'll smite the nations. So much so that the blood will run through that valley up to the bridle of horses. Think about that. You say, is God justified? Absolutely, he's justified in doing it. The evil that we see in our world today, just think of it increasing many times over. And he will show himself as the ultimate ruler. There is a battle that will be waged between the armies of the world and one man, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to witness it. We're going to witness that. I don't know what kind of horse you're going to be uh, riding, but we're going to be riding horses, and we're going to witness that, that whole, whole thing. Then notice it, we come to the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ where he sets up a perfect kingdom. Now, the world is looking for a perfect king. Are they not? The one that will be the answer to all of their problems. The one where they can finally rest. Ah, my life is, uh, is finally comfortable, convenient. All my needs are met. The safety net is there. And they're looking for that. They clamor for that. 
One of the reasons election years are so tumultuous is because people want a perfect king. They'll never find it. But we will in Jesus Christ. And you'll set up a thousand year reign. During that time, Satan is put in a bottomless pit for that 1,000 years. Isn't that a great thing? Put in a, he's put there, and uh, Jesus will reign, and believers will live and reign with Christ for 1,000 years, according to Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 4. And then Satan is um, brought back up at the end, and we find that his final defeat, uh, verse number 7 of Revelation 20, and when a 1,000 years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. I just like the sound of that. I like the sound of the fact that he was, in, he was, he was kept up, right? Uh, but he comes up just for a moment and, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four, uh, four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them uh, together in a battle and the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up uh, on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from heaven in that Uh, from God out of heaven and devoured them and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. Remember this, hell was created for the devil and his angels and God will put him there. We see God moves on to the great white throne judgment Revelation 20, verse number 11, where those that have not received Jesus Christ will stand before him. I should just go back and add into your mind, when we're raptured, there's going to be a judgment of believers before the bema seat of Jesus Christ. And I want you to think of it as an Olympic uh, judgment in the sense of going to stand before the judges at, at, at the Olympics to receive your medal. That's the kind of judgment that is, the bema seat of Christ. It's a reckoning. It's a day of accounting, but not for whether we're saved or not to receive reward for the works for our service towards him. But this, the great white throne judgment, if you're saved here tonight, you won't be there. Now, I don't know as we perhaps look on. I I can't imagine that. I can't imagine the scene. But as those, says in verse number 12, I saw the, the dead, small and great, stand before God, the book, Books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Think about it. We bump shoulders with people every day whose names are not written in the book of life. That's, that's their future. Oh, it, it, it must motivate me. It must motivate us. It doesn't end there. God destroys and renews the universe. He destroys the old earth and the old heaven. And he renews, he creates, the Bible says in uh, Revelation 21, in verse number 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there's no more sea. God destroyed the earth at one point with a flood, 
He judged the earth with a flood. He said, I'm not going to do that again. But he did, and he gave us the rainbow, by the way, which has been taken over. That is a signal of God's promise, not of sin. Right? The world always takes and uh, twists God's truth. So God said, I'll set a rainbow in the sky. Every time there's a rainbow in the sky, just remember, God is announcing to the whole world, once again, I have kept my promise. I have not judged the whole world with a flood. A flood that extended past the mountaintops. A flood that killed everyone who was not in the ark. And God said, I promise I'll not do that. But the end, at the end, he, he, he burns up this world with a fervent heat. Everything we have will melt. It makes, uh, it makes us realize that the things that we possess in life, uh, they, they, they can burn. Our houses, our cars, it's just temporal. You can mark down 2 Peter 3 and verse number 10. The day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. The heavens are going to pass away with a great noise. And the elements are going to burn with a, melt with a fervent heat. And then there's the eternal day. We, we sang about that. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. That's, that's that eternal day. Second Peter 3, verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the, uh, of the day of God, wherein the, heavens shall, uh, 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 wherein the heavens being on fire shall be uh, dissolved, and the earth and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. going to be a day all all tears forever over sickness forever over it's going to be a day and so that is the day of the lord and it's going to come as a thief in the night and we must be ready we must be watching out for that first thessalonians 4 and verse number 16 helps us understand that what starts all of that is that rapture that that moment where god uh, jesus comes and catches his bride away church is likened to a bride jesus the groom he loves us we're waiting for him while he prepares a place for us in heaven john 14 all those that know him and have him in their hearts are going to be caught up in a way um i like the illustration uh if you take magnets i don't know how many of you enjoy playing with strong magnets there's some really strong magnets out there they're actually kind of dangerous too if they get around kids right but uh, if you take, if you have a planter box full of all sorts of wood chips and leaves and so, and so on, and you put a bunch of nails in there, you take a magnet and bring it across the top, what's, what's going to come up? The nails. I want you to see this. Will you show, uh, show me that? Uh, I want you to get, just get the picture. What, what's left behind? The wood chips and the... In the debris. That's exactly what's going to happen. If you have Christ in you, you are going to be attracted, if you will. You are going to be caught up. And it's going to be in the moment, in the twinkling of the eye, as the Bible says, in the, the little glimmer of the eye, not even just a, an eye blink, but the little glimmer of the eye. That little glimmer that happens uh, between someone who's falling in love, that, the, the little, that little quick glimmer, right? That's what the Bible says is going to be that quick. Wow. What a day. The imminent return of the Lord. But you know there's empty promises that are going on in the world because they're going to say, in that moment, they're going to say, ah, everything's good. Now think about it. Think about the chaos that's going to ensue as thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of people across the world are going to be caught up in that moment. 
going to be an amazing amount of chaos. I have often thought about our own country and uh, if you have people in, in high office and people that are, are uh, pilots and, and, and people that are truck drivers who are, brother, brother, Brandon, you're on the road when, that, when the trumpet sounds, boy, you talk about it, it's going to be a crazy, crazy time. Unless it's a self-driving car at that point, uh, it's going to be a problem, right? Uh, God's going to catch us up in a way. And they're going to say, hey, it's all good. We got this under control. There's no problem here. Keep on moving along. They'll issue that out to their, their folks to, to, to peddle that news. Peace and safety. Peace and safety. It's all right. It's going to act like it's all fine. You know, Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson at the end of World War I, said that this was the war to end all, right? You know, sometimes it's really easy for people to make some statements that really aren't true. Great empires have failed. Nations have failed. All the way back to the Egyptian Empire. More recently to the Austria-Hungarian Empire, they they make statements, hey, we're going to be around, everything's all good. And they boast of having strength, and they boast of having peace, and they boast of having power, but nothing's going to stop the day of the Lord. Nothing. And he says here in verse number uh, uh, 3, look at it with me. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Destruction is the idea of death and ruin. It, it's going to come suddenly, and it's going to be a, uh, uh, it says there in verse number three as well, uh, as travail upon a woman with child. All right, what's, what's being talked about there, ladies? Childbirth. It happens. Oh, we need to go to the hospital right now. And it's talking about that, the, uh, that birthing of a child, the intense pain of that. Now, Matthew 24 and verse number Eight talks about this as being the sorrow. But if you go back to Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, which we read, uh, read a moment ago, it's talked about as Jacob's trouble. All these things relating to this, this time, and God warns that sudden destruction is coming, but we, we as believers aren't going to face that. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, that's comforting to me. The world is chaotic. We need to live above all that chaos. Not to the neglect of influencing and bringing God's truth into the world, but we need to live above that and we ought to be comforted by the fact He's coming again. I don't have to face, I don't have to go through the tribulation, but I want us to realize we should also not just be convicted about this in the sense that we hold on, Jesus is coming again. Boy, what great news. Praise the Lord. We can sing about that. Our heart soars with that. But there's a caution that we need to look at in verses 4 through 8. But brethren, but ye brethren are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Uh, you shouldn't be caught unaware. Uh, you should be awake. In fact, in Revelation 3 and verse 10, because thou hast kept the word, you've, you've honored the word of my patience, I will also keep thee out of the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the earth to try them that dwell on the earth. So, well, we aren't going in for that wrath. We need to be awake we need to be alert to what God is doing. Verses 6 through 7, the idea of sleeping here is to drop off to sleep. How many of you feel like doing that right now? I just drop off to sleep, right? 
God says, don't do that. Then you see that this is the proof text that you shouldn't sleep in church right here. I'll be honest, I was sitting on the platform, uh, I don't know, it feel like it was a couple Wednesday night, uh, nights ago. I actually, someone else was preaching, I was, I was sitting there, just, I mean, we're all, we're all human, right? And I was sitting there, and I, I nodded, and it caught me by surprise. And uh, I was like, boy, this is going to be really bad to fall asleep on the platform. That's just going to be really, really bad. <laughs> anyway, don't look at me like that, because I know I see you on Sunday from Sunday. I see you sleeping. But it says to fall off and drop off to sleep. We're not to be doing that. We're to be spiritually awake. We're to watch, to be vigilant is the idea, to to keep watch for the Lord's return. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. We're to be awake, we're to be spiritually in tune. Oh, how we need to walk in spiritual, uh, spiritual alertness in these days. We're to wake to righteousness. We're to be alert to uh, his coming and realize there are people that are dying. They are going to split hell wide open. We need to live for Christ. We need to share the gospel with others. It's South Korea, the nation that is constantly an example of being vigilant, on guard. Why? Because they have a nation to the north that they never know when they might enter into war with them. Even the school children in schools, rather than having perhaps a tornado drill, they have drills for, uh, for acts of war, for the announcement of war, and to help the kids to be ready. It's that same level of alertness that we need to have. We need to be ready for the Lord to come. Perhaps in our homes, how we ought to help us to be ready as, as, as families is to mention this in our morning prayer. At breakfast, Lord, help us to be ready for your coming today. Bible says in verse number six, let us be sober, to be temperate, to be circumspect, to walk, you know, like a cat, right? Very, very deliberately. That's how we're to walk through life. We're to be circumspect. We're to be calm and collected. We're to have poise. That only comes from the Holy Spirit helping us. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us that peace. When someone's drunk, they're not paying attention, right? They're intoxicated. They're distracted. God says, don't do that. I want you to be sober. I don't want you to be under the influence of anything. I want you to be focused. I want you to be watchful. I want you to be awaiting the return. When he comes, it's like, well, I was expecting that today. That ought to be the attitude. Mark 13 and verse 34 and uh, through verse 36, it says to, to watch ye therefore. For you know not when the master of the house cometh at even or midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly find you sleeping. It says, watch, be on guard, examine your lives, see whether you're in tune with the Lord, see whether you're on guard with Him. If you have unsaved friends, it's now is the time to go after them. If we're holding a grudge, it's now it's time to grant forgiveness. If we're distracted, it's now time to get focused. And how important that is to wake. But he says in verse number eight, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. Notice in verse number eight with me. But let us also, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. Say that with me. The hope of salvation. What is that? That's talking about an assurance of our salvation. Now, you can't have assurance of something that you don't have. And how important it is to be assured, to know that you're saved, to know that your sins are forgiven, to know 
uh, that you uh, have this settled, that, that you have eternal life, that this isn't something that you're resting on your, your parents or your church or those around you that are spiritual, but know that you have it because you've believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That word hope in the Bible, when you come across that, you need to remember that as a confident expectation. Not like a hope so like we talk about, but a confident expectation. So what God is saying, hey, I want you to to confidently expect, to know of a surety that you're saved, that you have the helmet of salvation on, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. People often say when I'm witnessing to them, "Uh, I don't think you can actually know that you're saved. But that goes against what the scripture says. 1 John 5 and verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe, that believe, that ye may, on the, on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You know what First John is telling us? That there are some believers, people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who struggle to know, that word know, is the idea of to know experientially. They struggle to know experientially that they are a child of God. And so they wonder and doubt. God says, no, I don't want that to be the case. I want you to know this. Friends, we need to be preparing We need to have our heart ready in that way. Uh, Do you know tonight, 100%, that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life? That when you die, you'll spend eternity in heaven. Have you worked that out? Have you sought the Lord for the assurance of your salvation? You say, well, pastor, I, I thought good Christians don't doubt. I have a question tonight. Would you be honest with me? How many of you have ever doubted your salvation? Okay. Now, some of you, you, you had it nailed down. Praise the Lord. But I have a feeling every hand that was just up, you've had to work through and you've had to allow the Holy Spirit of God to settle this in your heart. And let me just give you a, a key. You know, sometimes we get all concerned about, well, did I pray the right prayer? And I, I, I've heard people say, did I repent enough? Or did I? And they'll, they'll talk through all these different things. But the fact of the matter is, how are we saved? Acts 16 and verse 31. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Can you believe in your good works and Jesus Christ? No. Belief in him alone. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the fact is, you and I need to remember that our salvation is not resting in our goodness or how clever we were in a prayer. It is resting. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in him alone for the forgiveness of sins and for a relationship with God? If you're wondering about that tonight, if you're struggling with that tonight, could I encourage you? Seek out another believer to talk that out with. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. In fact, I can, I can guarantee, I can guarantee because I'm, I'm looking at all your wonderful faces tonight that any, any believer in here would be blessed to have that conversation and, and to pray with you through that. Wouldn't you, church? It's an important thing. So God wants us to have that confident expectation of our salvation. And I remember in my life, it was, it was after I was called to preach, I remember struggling through my teenage years, some of it due to my own choices of not walking with the Lord as I ought, and doubting my salvation severely. 
and it was a it was a preacher that I finally called. I, I was so ashamed because it was one of those things that well, I don't want to talk to anybody I know because they'll think that you know. And we have all these gymnastics that we go through. So I called a preacher that I knew, and uh, and I talked through with him. I said I I got to I got to get this settled. And he talked through it, and he brought me through exactly what I just I talked to you about. What are you believing in? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sometimes we get back in the mental gymnastics of, well, I'm drowning in my sin, I'm dying, I'm perishing. How did I cry out to the lifeguard for salvation? The question is, did you cry out to the lifeguard for, um, for a rescuing? Did you believe that you were drowning, that you were dying in your sins, you could do nothing to change it, and I need your help? Boy, I clarified in my heart. I believed. I did. And I have. Praise the Lord. And so the believer's caution is, be awake. Be prepared. Know. Know that you have the helmet of salvation on. Then lastly, I want you to see the believer's comfort in verses 9 and following. Oh, this is wonderful. Verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Let's say that together. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's not appointed us to wrath despite the impending doom that's coming upon the world uh, in, the, in the days ahead. He did not. He did not appoint us to that. He did not designate us to that. That's exactly the idea. He did not set or place or establish or ordain that we would go through that. He did not appoint us to that. Verse Thessalonians 1, verse number 10, helps us to understand that we aren't appointed to that. And I want us to understand, as it says there, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Write that verse down, 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 10. What a blessing. We are delivered from that. Oh, he has preserved us from this wrath. He's preserved us. I'm thankful for that. And I want us to realize also in verses 9 through 10, we're promised eternity with him. He's not only preserved us from that wrath, his outpouring of destruction upon the world, but he has promised us an eternity with him. Look at verse number 9 again. But to obtain salvation, rescuing by our Lord Jesus Christ. To have hold of that. Obtain is the idea to possess, purchase. That's ours. That's salvation. That deliverance, that safety. We've obtained eternal life with him. God's plan is not for us to experience that wrath, but to receive salvation. Mm. I am so thankful for that. There's a lot of things that trouble our hearts right now, and we don't know what the days ahead are like, but the fact of the matter is, when God pours out his wrath in the world, we're not going to be there. Verse number 10, who died for us, shed his blood on the cross, died in our place so that we could escape the judgment. That's ours. That's what we have to look forward. That's the Christian reality. You say, woe is me right now. I, I just, everything's falling apart. Yes, true. Things aren't how we want them. 
Yes, but your reality is that one day Jesus is going to sound the trumpet and he's going to come for you. That's your future. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Look, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. If you are awake, if you're alive, you're with him. If you die, you're with him. What a blessing to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And how encouraging that is. And then really the believer shouldn't be scared with death. Why is it that those Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, why is it that Stephen could take the stoning without being rattled? Why? Because he had confidence he was going to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Turn to Philippians 3 and verse number 20. Philippians 3 and verse number 20. Bible says, for our conversation is in heaven. Our lifestyle is in heaven. Do you believe that tonight? Friends, that's what we were talking about this morning. Is living above all this. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Right? Our conversation, our lifestyle is in heaven. Now, I've seen folks use that, that, that mentality. Uh, you might have heard the old statement. He is so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. You know that's not really true. If we're heavenly minded, we're the most earthly good. So, being heavenly minded, living in the plane, it means that we're going to have an impact on the world. The world might not like it. But it means we're going to have an impact on the world. Our conversation is in heaven from whence we also look for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies. How many of you would say, yep, I got a vile body. I feel it every day. Like, I have a vile body. Yep, we have a decrepit, decaying body, right? Uh, really am- amazing. Um, but that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. What's God saying to us? He's saying there's going to come a day uh, where Jesus, he raptures us up, and we get a brand new body. One, no aches, no pains. Heart always stays in rhythm, right? Knees don't ache, necks don't ache. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Elbows don't grow spurs. Uh, Whatever the case may be, uh, we don't break apart. There's no sickness, no virus. Yeah, amen. Amen. Our conversation's in heaven. That's where our lifestyle, that's where our our focus ought to be. Let's not get distracted with an earthly focus. Amen, when my Jesus I shall see. What a blessing. And we have that assurance. Now, again, if you're struggling with that, let's get that settled today. If you're struggling, like, Lord, if he comes tonight, I don't know. Let's get that settled today. 
First John 5.13, let's go there, let's settle that even tonight. As much as it's important for you to be saved, if you're not saved here, let's get that settled. Let's see the Holy Spirit give you that assurance of your faith so you can be comforted by the truth of His coming. And look at verse number 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. The most comforting thought for a believer ought to be the last the last. Verses of the songs that we sang tonight. Life's day will soon be o'er. All storms forever past will cross the great divide to glory safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, a crown. The tempter will be banished. We'll lay our burden down. That's when we step into heaven. I love the end of, it is well with my soul. And Lord haste the day when my face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as the scroll. The trump shall be sound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it's well with my soul. And oftentimes, the end of these hymns I'll go to the second coming, to the rapture of the church. That ought to be the greatest comfort of your life. The news is discouraging. Think about what you have out ahead of you. My family discourages me. My family annoys me. Think about what you have out ahead of you. Be comforted by the truth. He's coming. Comfort. The idea here, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He comes alongside. He encourages. But do you know what's being told to us here? With these truths, we're to come alongside and encourage one another. You know, a healthy New Testament Christian community that we've been thinking about and working through this year is one that encourages along. They don't come along alongside a, a person uh, that is down and kick them. They, they come along. That word edify is to build up, to encourage, to admonish. In fact, one of the ways, Hebrews 10, verse 23, for us to hold fast our profession, to, to have confidence in, of our salvation, is this very assembly together comforting and exhorting one another to love and to good works. That's what we're to do to one another. We can comfort one another by edifying, building up. We can comfort one another by reminding each other of the promises. Jesus is coming again. We can comfort one another by praying for each other. Isn't it a blessing when you know someone's praying for you? We can comfort one another by remembering one another, and and helping bring comfort to them. Remembering when they're going through difficult times, but also helping each other remember the great and exceeding promises of God that are, even tonight as you shared those, helping one another to remember that. By giving to one another, you can comfort each other. When you know there's a need, even a cup of coffee, cup of tea, taking time, comforting one another, supporting the weak in that uh, way. So life is full of challenges, isn't it? Right? Your life is full of challenges. Perhaps that no one else here knows. There might be pressures in your life that, that you're, you're breaking under, but the fact of the matter is, we can be comforted in, in the fact that He's coming back, and we can take that and comfort one another with that. With that same promise. And I encourage you tonight, I encourage you to comfort one another. Let's not grow apart. Let's grow together. Let's let the pressure from the world around us push us closer together and push us closer to our our Christ and push us to a point where we are just loving one another and caring for one another, comforting one another, edifying one another, 
And so let's ask God to help us with that this evening. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.